Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode 136. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I am doing fine and dandy. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so this is our second episode in a row with uh, Blake Johnson, second of two. Yeah, I've been anxious since last week. I'm kind of sweating right now trying to figure out what happens. <laughs> right. If you haven't listened to uh, part one, go back and listen to episode 135 uh, posted last week. Um, that's a good listen. Very good basic or basis um, and lead in to, to this episode. Um, I think we get started kind of back in the middle of um, Blake's philosophy on how to get started in fitness and how that extends into improvement of one's overall life uh, and especially in, including your uh, improving your career, which is kind of the focus of, of our podcast. So um, again, not like a traditional guest that we would have, you know, somebody in technical operations or, you know, uh, you know, tech advocacy or something like that. But still just, I thought, you know, as we're getting back to maybe the, the new normal of hopefully a little bit of a post-COVID life, you know, and we're trying to focus in on advancing our careers again, uh, maybe this uh, discussion of how maybe taking a look at fitness can can advance your career and, and advance you towards your goals as well. Yeah, and he's going to talk about some fitness objection handling. People have excuses. How can we get past those excuses and stay the course? Once you get started, you know, we talked a little bit about getting started maybe last week. There'll be more about it this week. And how do you stay motivated to keep doing it so you don't fall off the horse? And how can you stay accountable? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to tell you what Blake actually does for a living outside of owning his own fitness business this week. Ooh, yeah, that's right. We uh, kind of dangled that at the end of last week, didn't we? Indeed. Awesome. Well, uh, without further uh, delay, let's get back into episode 136, part two with Blake Johnson. What are some of the first changes that you can share that maybe some of your clients have made? I'd love to hear about some of those if you're if you're able to oh, to speak man. to them. My clients are so cool. We we have some absolute rock stars. Um, for example, I have I have one guy who you know um, has a history of, of bad knees. He's a former athlete. He actually went to high school with me. A good buddy of mine, and you know always a bigger guy. He was an offensive lineman. Has kids. Um, and just reached out and said, Hey man, I'm bigger than I've ever been. And I just really, really, really want to feel better. I want to be able to move around. I said, great, man, let's you know, come up with a plan. Here's you know, A to B here's here we at. And, uh, he, he texted me, it was probably two weeks ago saying, man, 
this might not seem like a big deal to most, but my watch is a lot tighter. Like I have to go, I have to go much you know, tighter on my watch. He said, and I got to play with my kids all day today and I never got tired. And not once did he talk about pounds. Not once did he talk about, you know, any, any blood work that he's done. He said, I feel better. And, you know, to me, those are the, that's what's the important part is, you know, the way he quantifies success is how well can I play with my kids? Dude, I just did a whole day. Great, man. I can't wait till, you know, in a year you guys go on that week, that week long hike. I'm very excited to hear about it. Oh, I got some other clients, man. I got a guy, uh, I have another guy who used to be diabetic and is no longer needing insulin, um, off high blood pressure, but it's because we just one day at a time. Okay. You drink way too much soda, my man. Let's get rid of three cans. Let's just get three a week. Once the three a week, we'll take the fourth away. Once the fourth is gone, you're not even going to want soda anymore. Great. Now that you're drinking more water, we can kind of push it a little bit harder in the gym because you're probably feeling better. Yes. Okay, great. And, uh, I mean, he's a shell of his former self in the best way possible. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I just get so excited about people. Man, yeah. My, I don't deserve my clients to be totally honest. They are all absolute rock stars. How about cracking that seal though? You know, there's all kinds of psychological reasons that people don't, um, try to eat better, try to, uh, you know, work out more. Um, and a lot, you know, a lot of, those things are made a little bit easier by, by having a strength and conditioning coach or a trainer or something along those lines. But, you know, there's barriers to even doing that, right? People will say, for example, I don't like going to the gym because that's where fit people are, not people who are trying to get fit. Um, so how does somebody who has those barriers approach those barriers and, and break through some of those? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the first thing, especially with that specific case, and and a lot of cases is is we we self we self sabotage ourselves a lot. We we already make a decision or we already assume something about a place before even taking a step in. Now that's not saying that people have stepped into a gym, were surrounded by a bunch of gym bros, hated every second of it, got out was not for them. I've been there, I get it, um, but that's not the only gym in the world. So. I think I think the first thing is trying to again step back from from where we are in our little bubble and say, okay, are all gyms bad? No, great. Okay, are all gyms bad? Yes. Okay. Well, then if we're never going to do something in the gym, what do we need to do? Okay. Well, there's a playground. There's a park. There's you know I have stuff at home. Great. Find out what you can or cannot do within that limitation that we set. Um, if we're open minded or if we're able to step back and say, you know what? Maybe I just need help. Maybe I need a friend. Maybe I just, you know, need to show up and just, you know, talk to someone. I'm not even going to work out. I just want to walk in there. Um, I think making that decision is incredibly helpful. Obviously, it always helps to have someone um, in your corner. But if, if, if we're talking solo, um, that would be the biggest thing is, is can we step back from our, our preconceived, you know, sabotage? Because the only reason that I am not where I want to be in my life is because I stopped myself before I even started. I made the decision that there's no way I'll do that. There's no way they'll accept me. There's no way I'll, I'll get that job. There's absolutely, I, I didn't ever applied. I didn't walk in. I didn't say hi. I didn't do any of that. I made those decisions already. And then, you know, looking back, you know, like, Oh, come on, man. Like, what was I thinking? Um, I think, I think the easiest thing, you know, to try to do that is 
one step, small incremental change. If you are, if you're not into gyms, okay, what can we do at home? Can we watch a, a video and follow something? Can we, you know, take a walk in our neighborhood? Can we go to a place that we just really, really enjoy and be around it? And um, if we can, then let's see how how well we can kind of build up on top of that until we get to that ultimate goal of, you know, if it's going to a gym or you know having a coach or you know just feeling better. You know, how you got to make the first step. <clears throat> at some point. I like the idea of measuring what matters, feeling better, feeling healthier, having more energy rather than necessarily measuring the waistline, measuring the pounds on the scale. While those are, you know, those are good metrics, right? They may not necessarily be the right one to chase at the time, or maybe it's an aggregation of those, all of them. You need to check all the boxes in some way. How about this one, Blake? I don't have time to exercise. How do you break that barrier down? I'm just too busy. Man, we all got 24 hours in a day. We all got the same amount of time. Time doesn't wait for anyone, whether or not we want it to slow down, speed up. No matter what's going on, time keeps ticking. Um, I think you're right. You will not have time for things that aren't important to you. You simply, we will always make time for what matters. We will always make time for stuff that actually like... Blake, who hates waking up at 5 a.m., will do every single day for the rest of his life because working out for me is more important than not working out. So I will wake up early and get my workout in before I go to work because I know if I go to work and I go home after, I'm not, I'm done. Like, I'm out. I know that about myself. But I also don't need two hours. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I only have 30 minutes. Dude, that's way too much time. If you really think about it, like I can, you can smoke yourself out in five minutes if you really want to. Just go sprint for five minutes straight. I'm out for a week. I don't know how y'all are doing, you know? So there's, there's a million ways to skin a cat. There's a million ways to get to where we want to be in, in time limits. If you have two hours, great. There's a lot you could do in two hours. If you only got 20 minutes. Great. There's a lot you can do in 20 minutes. You're just going to have to, you know, change it up a little bit. So that's my favorite. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's my favorite objection. objection. That's my favorite objection. Oh, I don't have time. Yes, you do. And if you don't, then great. Then then hit me up when you do have enough time because something tells me you will find it. Because it's either going to be that or you're going to be sitting next to a doctor saying, eh, you probably should have found time. And no one likes that conversation. We try to get there before that. Yeah, I mean, I in being in technical sales, I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, there's there's always a reason to not do something. It, it doesn't matter how important it is. Finding, like, you know, figuring out that it actually is important to you personally and your success as a person and and maybe key to your self-actualization as a person is maybe the first thing to realize and then understanding all the objections that you're putting in front of yourself and finding ways to work around them um you know say oh i don't want to go to a gym then okay fine we'll figure out a way to not go to a gym but accomplish the same things i i like that uh that talk track uh, that that makes a lot of sense to me. And then how about staying the course? Because it isn't easy, right? It's these are changes and we as people don't like change. And increasing fitness isn't easy. It, uh, I mean, it, it hasn't ever been easy for me. It's always been work, right? And work doesn't necessarily feel good until you're well into it. And then, you know, sometimes you get addicted to that work. But there's that period of time where it's maybe just 
painful and annoying, <laughs> sweaty and uncomfortable, <laughs> and you don't find that rewarding yet. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, in terms of us all hating change, absolutely. There's no growth in the comfort zone. There's no comfort in the growth zone. That's my that's one of my favorite sayings. Like if I'm if I'm comfortable, then I need to go get uncomfortable because I'm not growing. Whether it's you know spiritually, mentally, physically, um, you know. When you plateau, you plateau, and I mean you're not going anywhere. So in terms of in terms of the uh, the the motivation, right? The you know if it were easy, everyone would do it. If it were easy, we'd all look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or insert whoever you think of as is who you want to be. We'd all look like that. We'd all be you know Tom Brady. We'd all be you know Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, all of them. We'd all be everything. It's not. Life's not easy, though. Life's not meant to be easy. It's the only game we'll lose no matter what. No one wins the game of life. We all end the same. So uh, I think I think knowing that, uh, for me, I've always kind of embraced the fact that it, people say embrace the suck. I don't like I don't like that. I, I've never I've never enjoyed that saying because it shouldn't, you know, be that negative. But embrace the discomfort because if I if I stayed comfortable. I'd be who I was 10 years ago, and that, that's not acceptable for who, for me. I think the only people who say embrace the suck are, are the Navy SEALs, and that, that's a very small part of the population that are Navy SEALs. And those guys are awesome, and I respect them, but I don't want to live that way. <laughs> There's a reason why they do it, and I don't. That, that's, that's not going to be our episode title, by the way. It's not going to be embrace the suck. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> um, you know, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Uh, but it's not easy. I think understanding that's not easy for really anyone. If you look at elite athletes, if you look at the healthiest people in the world, it's not even easy for them. They have just found a way to make it a, a, a major part of their life, that they've made it a, a must have for, for them. Right. I think it's, it's not easy for anyone. And if we can at least in, embrace that, or at least understand that, I think it, it, wait, you're saying that Tom Brady struggles the same way I struggle. Probably not the same way, but I guarantee if him and I ran, you know, a two mile track, we'd both feel the same afterwards. You know, I think kind of it's one of those things that brings us all together and it makes it more human. It makes it more uh, realistic and it, and it really makes it easier if, if, man, I might be at this crazy bro gym, but they're struggling the same way I'm struggling. And one day I'm going to be struggling with them. You know, I think I think inst instead of turning it as a negative, it can be a, a very easy positive. And well, this idea of staying the course does that necessitate that you must do something every day, or is it a certain number of times per week? When you start off with your clients, what do you think? Life is messy. Life is messy. Things happen. Life happens. That's my number one. I'll say it to every single person: life happens. Right? You can make a decision. Whatever happens, happens. But regardless of what happened in the past, we're, we're here right now. So every every client I start with will have a goal. Hey, we're going to do three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, regardless of where they're at. And they're, you know, and we talk about it. There's no one size fits all. Um, everyone has a very personalized plan. But if we don't reach all five of them, what happened? Oh, well, you know, I had to work late. Hey, you know, I had something happen in the family. Okay, great. Life happens. Like we can adjust. Don't beat yourself up over that. Those aren't failures. Those are things that we can kind of, you know, focus on the successes. Don't focus on the, the misses, right? You know, if we can focus on that, staying the course is, okay, 
why did we get off? What what forced us to fall off track? Let's at least talk about it. You know, it's the elephant in the room. Why did we go out last night, drink and eat a bunch of pizza, wake up, miss your workout, you ate bad food? Like, okay, let's talk about it. Great. Here's how we can change. Next time you go out, do this and this, but understand that you probably will feel better in the morning if you do it this way. You know, I think staying the course is is just having a real honest talk and accountability. It's whether it's self-accountability, whether it's accountability with a coach, a friend, a family member. Hey, man, you said you're going to do this. You know, what happened? Or, and, and without a judgment, right? I think I think another thing that, that happens a lot is there's a lot of judgment out there. You can't work out five days a week, man. Come on. No, life happens. But let's try to adjust. Either we need to adjust your behaviors or we need to adjust our program to fit that. Because, again, there's no one size fits all. Life is messy. Anything can happen at any time. We need to be able to adapt to that. Is it something that, that we're doing or is it something that we need to adjust to? And that's, I think, when it comes to health and fitness, but when it comes to business, when it comes to really anything, how can we adapt and how can we understand, you know, the goal's here, we're here, everything in the middle needs to correlate, but that's going to be the hardest part is correlating it. How can we do that? This sounds awfully similar to an episode of the Packet Pushers podcast where they talked about this idea of a blameless postmortem. Something went horribly wrong in an IT environment. And instead of who caused this issue, it's what was the root cause of the problem environmentally and how can we avoid having that happen in the future and not, you know, fry this person who made a change that messed something up. I like that idea. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. The the absence of judgment, that's a hard one because when somebody is asking you why you missed the mark on X, it's hard to not feel like they're going to judge you for your not being able to measure up, so to speak. For sure. Accountability is accountability. At the end of the day, if, if you need to be held accountable, I think that's important. I think, I think being held accountable and then holding yourself accountable is important. But at the same time, I think creating a, a, a an environment and a situation where, you know, I can, I can hold myself accountable and be held accountable without feeling bad, without necessarily feeling shame, because a lot of people love to hit the shame stuff and they'll go, oh, I, I just, that works for some people. That's never worked for me. I've always been a person who's like, Hey, we messed up. Let's fix it. Let's move on. Here's what we're going to do now. Acknowledge it, fix it, move on. Uh, if it happens multiple times and different accountability is, is important. It's, it's interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt, but like sometimes I sense that, or at least my outside observation is that people can be addicted to the shame spiral or they're more comfortable in the shame spiral than they are in the discomfort of making a positive change in their life. Does that oh, make sense? Absolutely. I absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, I, I wish I could pull it out, but I read, uh, I think it was four or five years ago, a uh, psychology study about why, why, why do we stay in, in the same place? Why do we trick ourselves or, or force ourselves to stay in a situation that is outwardly and inwardly negative? Everyone can see it. We can see it. We talk about it, but we stay exactly where we're at, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's relationships, whether it's um, you know, job, why do we stay there? And it's, it's really, really fascinating because and again, I wish I could pull up the exact study out and get to the real, like the good nitty bitty. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like our brain just stop. We we oh, we essentially overload the senses to where, hey, that's scary. That freaks me out. I can deal with this. I've already been dealing with this. We'll just keep doing this. Um, versus the hey, you know, if I get out, it's gonna suck for a while. I'm not a Navy SEAL, so I don't know if I want to embrace that. I'm just gonna stay here. And uh, it's it's interesting, and it's 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 definitely something I, I wish you know. If Blake could change the world, we change our entire education system to where we really focus on like these these higher level things, such as you know psychology and philosophy, so that we can all come out well rounded and, and understanding a little bit differently than hypotenuse and triangles and whatnot, which are important for some people. Hey, trigonometry is important. I don't think that trigonometry is the worst. <laughs> hey, you came to you came to the wrong place. I think math place. is the best subject, personally. <laughs> See, I love I love math. I just hated trigonometry. That was the only class. I oh, had. trigonometry is awesome. Loved it. I just thought geometry was algebra with pictures, and it was wonderful. But see, I don't like the pictures. Just give me the variables. I think I'm biased since I used to teach math. So big stats guy. Love stats. See, I think stats was tough. I had I had challenges and stats, so teachers, teachers. That's what it was. Fascinating. The statistics was the first class in math that I took that I found. Oh wait, this is like real world applicable, right? Like, uh, hey, I saw this thing happen a number of times. How many times do I actually need to see it before it's actually a significant event? <laughs> right where it's significantly correlating with something else hey another green car went by oh hey yet another green car went by how many green cars need to go by before it's safe <laughs> to say oh wow there's a surprisingly large number of green cars compared to other colored cars right Statistics can tell you that and there's there's math behind it but this is not a stats podcast um but you know we're happy to do a stats episode if our listeners demand um so Hundred percent. Go ahead and give us feedback. Everybody, send us your health stats. We'll do that. <laughs> Sold. I I get the sense that you have some kind of philosophical or rhetorical basis for human improvement, and I would be curious. I I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here to to. If, if that's something that you've ever articulated to yourself or to your clients, um, you know, people who are coming to you for guidance on that for, you know, just the top general topic of improvement, you know, I'm sure physical, you know, spiritual um, career, like there, there has to be some kind of underlying philosophical basis. there. Just to boil it down to one point, life is short and we only have one. I, I don't believe in reincarnation. And if I did, I wouldn't believe that all of my existence will, will pass through. So we have one shot at this, this life, whether it's, you know, long, short, whatever. So for me, it's, it's life is far too short to not maximize our abilities to do everything. Life is far too short to wake up every day, not loving every second of it. Life is far too short to to wake up feeling bad. Life is way too short to just not, you know, give yourself every app, you know, ample opportunity to just go out there and just have fun. You know, I, I feel like my entire life I was, I put so much pressure on myself to be this and this, and, you know, growing up, I had to be this. And after college, I needed to do this. And I, I think I woke up one day and said, I don't care anymore. I'm going to focus on 
my life being the life I want to be. And I'm going to focus on treating people well. And what happened when I did that? People started treating me a lot better. And I, you know, really focused on surrounding myself with, you know, positive thinking and, 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 and situations that made me feel better. And what happened? I mean, I'm telling you, Blake 10 years ago is not the same Blake that that's, that's about to turn 30 and, and live in, live in his best life. So my philosophy is life short and we only got one, we only got one chance. There's no reset button. I wish we we're in a simulation where we can kind of put a cheat code in and get like all the money and stuff, but like we can't, and we can't surround, uh, you know, surround our, ourselves with thinking that way. You know, it's, it's easy to look at other people and say that could be me or that should be me or man, why can't I be there? Man, they got so much lucky. They, they probably feel the same exact way about something else, right? We are all so similar regardless of the things around us. So that's, that's, my, that's my number one philosophy is like life short, man, maximize it. In light of becoming a master in your field, can you still enjoy that even though it takes a lot of work? I mean, if you think about the idea of mastery, you can love what you do, but if you're not really good at it, you know, and you own your own business, then you might not achieve success that you want to achieve. You know what I mean? So I'm just curious, even though you love the field and maybe love the work, does it ever become just work? Or are you able to to get rid of that mantra? You know, a million percent for me with strength conditioning, it, it did it at some point become more of a chore. Um, I think, I think, the intricacies of, of the world and humanity really, you know, suck the, the excitement out of it because that's not my primary, um, you know, field anymore. I, I do own my own business and I'm able to pour the parts that I love into it because it's, it's mine and I can really just focus on that. And I'm not answering anyone else. I'm not having to, you know, debate or, or have philosophical differences on how to take care of people. Like it's just me. And I've been, I've been loving that. Um, but absolutely. And, I, th- I think while life is too short to do what you hate and, and life's too short to not, you know, follow your passions. I think, I think there, there needs to be an understanding of that like, I don't want to surround myself with just my passions. If all I did was, was cause I, you know, I thought about getting my PhD in, uh, in, in rhetoric and cause I'm passionate about, you know, I have all my little Greek books and I read them and I love it linguistics, but I, I, I truly think that like at a certain point it would become a job. And while I would love it, it would not bring me that same like fire-filled passion I have when it's not all I do. It's it's what I'm allowed to do. It's what I give myself to do. And same with the strength conditioning. It, it was my you know my bread and butter career for you know six plus years. And you know if 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 we go back to just personal training before even strength conditioning, I mean we're talking a decade. It's all I did, and I loved it. But it got to the point where you know, the world's going to make a noise. The world's going to, you know, throw variables that are going to make you, you know, and for me, it was, it was time to, you know, tip my cap to, to that style of training and, and get to my own. And, you know, now I get so excited because I can talk about these things. I still have that like, you know, childish joy about it while being able to pursue other, you know, passions of mine. While if, if it hasn't been said in this podcast, I sell cars. I'm a car salesman now. I actually, I'm in the customer service game. We just happen to sell cars. That's, 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 that's my story and I'm sticking with it. But, uh, I get to meet and talk with incredible people who are passionate about other things. And, you know, for me, I think that's all I've ever wanted in life is a career that I can do that. 
And it's just bonus that I get to keep reading the books I want to read and I keep training the way I want to train. And, and I'm also doing what I love. We're going to have to find some kind of record scratch sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I sell cars, but that's (laughs) big car sales. My guy, big car sales. (laughs) I don't know, man. I just, I could talk about forever. I love people. I love life. Life is life rules. So much better than the alternative. That, so it's so interesting that you say that because, of course, our like society's perception of people who sell is, you know, fairly negative. And of all the things that you could sell, like cars is probably mo- more on the negative side other than like, you know, the only thing I could think of that, you know, society looks like even more down on is like, I don't know, infomercial sales, you know, vacation rentals. Door-to-door sales, shoe sales, folks. Yeah, yeah. So so tell me tell me about that because I, I just feel this massive disconnect between like the positivity that you are coming to us with and this focus on, on personal self-actualization and customer service and car sales, like those two things on the surface, seem to be uh, not meshing. But I'd love to hear, because I, I feel like there's a story there. You know, if you'd have told me five years ago, Blake, you're going to be selling cars, I'd have laughed at you. If you'd have told me any time in my life, I'd have laughed at you. But when I when I stepped away from strength and conditioning, uh, my wife and I planned on moving, and I said, hey, here's, I'm going to go, I'm going to apply to a few different jobs. And, you know, one happened to be for a company that sells cars. And to be totally, you know, frank with you all, I would not be in the car game if it wasn't for working for this company. And uh, they have a reputation for uh, customer service and, and taking care of people, not only customers, but, you know, associates as well. And I've always, you know, it's it's a staple. Uh, it's a staple company in Dallas. And it was it was such an obvious choice when interviewing with them that it wasn't fake. So they kind of aligned all their passions and my passions when it came to treating people well, taking care of people. Um, oh, by the way, you're going to have to sell cars. I can, I can figure that out. I can, you know, I'll learn how to do that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I'll be the first to say, car salesmen, they absolutely earn their reputations. I, I deal with, you know, all of them. I deal with a bunch of them. I, I hear stories from, from customers previous. Um, and I'm just flabbergasted. It makes no sense to me that in a job where you're supposed to take care of people that they don't take care of people. And I think I really enjoy the fact that, you know, I can take what many people consider a loathsome experience. Oh, I have to go buy a car and I got to go deal with the car, man. I'm going to be there all day and it's going to suck. And turn it into like, wow, okay, that was not the worst thing in the world. Okay, man, like that, that was a positive experience. Um, I take pride in that. I wouldn't be in cars if it wasn't for the company I'm with, but but ever since I started it, I've really enjoyed the fact that I can really switch people's perceptions on what the expectation should be. And which really changed kind of the way I, you know, I perceive most things at this point now, because, you know, if, if a car salesman can make that experience good, anyone can make anything good. If, if you can make <laughs> dealing with all that and all the paperwork and sitting and if that can be a, a decent day, man, think how much better the world could be if we just did that with everything. And, and 
I don't know. I just, I, I take pride in that. I, you know, it's, it's been a challenge for sure. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever been a part of in, in my past. And, you know, I'm always up for a good challenge, but it's been fun. And I get to wear a tie. I've never worn a tie in my life. I feel so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me, like, first of all, like, let me back up. The car sales industry is an industry that's famous, um, even within the sales industry, for having like grinding systems, right? Like hiring salespeople at like 100% commission. Oh, you didn't sell anything. You make no money at all, right? Yeah. You're, you're making less than minimum wage. <laughs> you're making zero you um, to having like sales systems that are there to like beat down the customer to like extract like the last 20, 30, $50 and then go back and ask for 20 more and you know alienate the customer at the for the cost of like that last drop of blood but you're saying that within a system like that you can still have a company that doesn't treat people like that that doesn't treat its sales associates like that doesn't treat the customers like that doesn't treat the product like that yeah absolutely and, and what did what did my company do they looked at those processes said, hey, this is why it's not working this is why dealers have a bad name. This is why these these situations happen. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to beat you down for every last penny. We're going to you know, give you a fair price and we're going to tell you every single thing that goes into that price. And there's the price. And it's as simple as that. And if there's any negotiation, we're happy to, but there's not a lot because we don't mark things with a bunch of room to negotiate for that reason. We, we you know, treat you like like an, an actual customer. You're not just some person on our lot. You are the person on our lot. You are, you know, the whole reason that we exist is because of you. So it's it's incredibly it's baffling to me that this is not a, a system wide you know phenomenon because you know I'm I'm blessed to be with a company that's about to celebrate their 110th year. They do they do okay for themselves, and it's because they do this. And it's you know we're not trying to you know, suck every, you know, nickel and dime out of each person. We're going to let you have enough blood to when you want to come back, you'll just do another one and another one. We'd rather get you to be a repeat customer than a one-time customer, make a bunch of money off you the first time. Um, because that's just, that's, it's good for everyone. It, it obviously is good for us, but it's also good for the consumer that they never leave feeling, wow, that was not fun. That was not a good experience. It's, hey, man. Can't wait in, you know, five, 10 years when I have to do it and hopefully I can call Blake back and, you know, I know I'm going to hear from him because I do birthday cards. So get ready. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a funny, funny thing that, you know, common sense isn't that common, you know, take care of people the honest right way and funny, look what happens. That's, it's so interesting because I, I was about to say, that I bet that it was born out of the disappearing information asymmetry in the car purchasing experience. Like more and more customers have more and more information about, you know, dealer costs, like invoice costs, holdbacks, and and all the things that go into the car buying process. And more and more are less interested in actually stepping foot on a car lot to to buy a car. But to say like, oh no, like this is a, a business that's been you know, around for over a hundred years, like, I, I suppose that doesn't necessarily mean that this, the sales system has been that for over a hundred years, but, you know, it's, I feel like it's difficult for organizations to make that much of a drastic change. 
that philosophy had to have been around for a little while at least. Right. And that's, I think that's the most impressive part is, is we haven't really revolutionized anything. We've, you know, taken the same tenets of, of really, you know, treat others like you want to be treated from day one and just use it for this industry. Right. We, you see, you see this, you know, through hospitality, you see this through, you know, other industries where, Hey, let me take care of you. Yeah. It's going to be great. You're going to come back for more. But we don't see that in car sales because it's, hey, you know, I don't make money. I need to make money. I'm going to sell you five car. Sell you one. I'm going to sell this. No, I'm going to take care of you. And hopefully you'll call me next time you need something. I'm going to take care of you next time. And we also, I, I, you know, I work for a company that, that takes care of, you know, the workers. Like we, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm full commission. If I don't sell, my, my dogs don't eat. And uh, which, you know, one of them probably shouldn't eat as much as he does anyway. But, you know. But I'm I'm incentivized to go every day, not only because of the perks, but because they treat me very, very well. I'm not treated like the new guy, the new salesman. I'm treated like the associate, no different than anyone. And it's it's just refreshing. It's it's real nice to kind of, you know, be a part of a a culture like that. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just life's been good. <laughs> I like that. One of the things you shared with me, Blake, uh, you know, full disclosure, Blake sold me a car recently. All right. I'll just get that out there. He did a good job. Really appreciate it. Thought he was an awesome dude. You'd be surprised what you can learn about people just having an interesting conversation with him. Told him he had a nice podcast voice and come to find out, you know, he owns his own fitness business and we just struck up a conversation. One of the things you shared with me, Blake, was that you had found your why. And that it was really important for people to do that. Uh, can you expound on that a little bit? I know you shared you shared some of that already, but I'm curious if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, I think I think no matter what we do in life, if you don't have a reason why you're going to do it, you're not going to do it well. You're not going to be as successful as you could be. So, um, you know, I'm actually pretty sure this is you know in most like business classes is if you can understand the why behind your business, the what will follow. You know, you don't have to find the what and the how if you don't have a why. Because if you don't have a why, the, the what, the how, the, the when, none of that really will matter. So, you know, for me in my, in my life, my why is I just love people and I love taking care of people. And I love making other people's lives better. Whether it's something as small as just give them a high five when they're having a rough day and they just had a little smile on their face. Or as big as, you know, giving them the opportunity to finally drive to that dream job that they got. Uh, because they couldn't do that before or, you know, get off pills that, that regulated their blood pressure that made them feel really, really bad now that they don't have to. So for me, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, building manifest fit, my business or, you know, working for the company I work for, the why has always been the same. So I want to take care of people. I want to treat people well and, and hopefully leave a positive impact, uh, on their life. So, I think whether it's building a business or, or even in your specific job, if you don't understand why do I show up every day, why am I doing what I'm doing? If you can't, if you can't like truly answer that question well, then I'm not saying you know burn it all down and restart, but but maybe think about it. What is what is your personal why, and then how can you use that to you know navigate your life a little bit differently? Yeah, and it sounds like in your case your own personal why your values aligned with the company values. And that was part of the reason you wanted to work there, even though it maybe meant that you had to do something different, right? 100%. Sell cars. <laughs> and 
I think a, a lot of our previous guests have echoed similar thoughts in that they wanted their employer's values to align with their own personal values when selecting a new company to join, regardless of what the the role was. Yeah, and that's and and that is in no way, shape, or form a uh, a condemnation of, of previous um, situations I've been in. I've I've been very very blessed to to be around incredible you know company cultures around. Um, I just think you know for me and and kind of where I was and and what me and my wife really valued was you know taking care of each other and taking care of others. Um, the opportunity to you know, work for this company. I, I had two interviews with two different companies and in two different industries. And, you know, at the end of the day, it came down to, you know, where do I feel at home at, you know, cause the hours are going to be long regardless. I'm used to long hours, you know, where am I going to really, really enjoy? And man, if, if I, don't, I don't often pick very, I don't often pick right, but boy, oh boy, I, I should have had a lottery ticket. Cause I, uh, I hit the jackpot on that one. We all find our own jackpots, don't we? Now, did you see any leprechauns with pots of gold at the end of the rainbow? I'm just curious. No, no, it was really disappointing. It was just a bunch of water. It must just be in the Lucky Charms commercials then. Uh, I don't know. Any any parting thoughts here, Blake, in terms of maybe best, worst career advice you've ever been given? A lot of times we'll ask our guests that. Anything you want to add to what we've discussed today? The best advice and the worst advice was the same advice, and it was do what you love. Because I think if you just follow what you love, it can be it can be a, a very big rabbit hole of, of negativity, frustration, uh, because I love a lot of things that I will never turn into a career. But at the same time, if you do something that you hate, it's not going to be beneficial. So, you know, I think it goes back to life's, life's way too short to settle for anything better than what your best is, not the best, but what your best is. So. If you can find your why and you're able to, you know, come up with a with an understanding of kind of what you want out of this life, I think everything else will fall into place and and you will end up loving it, but also able to love other things and and really have a what I would consider a three dimensional life versus, you know, a two D just you know forward and back. You're able to get that full experience. Blake, yeah, that was awesome. Great advice. Thanks so much for joining us on the uh, Nerd Journey podcast. Really enjoyed it. Like. What, uh, if people wanted to reach out to you, can you give us your, uh, your social handles again? Yeah, absolutely. I'm at Viva La Blake on Twitter and Instagram. I'm the worst poster, so I'm not worth following, but if you ever want to reach out and, and DM me, I'm always following. Uh, my business is manifest fit at manifest underscore fit on uh, Instagram, but I'm LinkedIn. If you can find Blake Johnson and LinkedIn, good for you. Uh, I'm there somewhere. Nice. Blake, thanks again so much for your time this evening. Guys, I, I sincerely appreciate it. It's been a blast. Uh, hopefully, I, I, I can't wait to hear it, but I'm, I'm excited that y'all had me. Car salesman seeking to make the car buying experience better, more positive. Something that isn't the worst day you've had since you bought your last car. I really like that. And Blake, he had options. He didn't have to go and sell cars when he was looking for work. He had two options. And this particular company, as part of their values, wanted to 
refactor, there's a technology buzzword for you, refactor the car buying experience into something better. That's a core value of the company. And he said, okay, I can learn how to sell cars because I want to work there. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear about and you know contrast my expectation of what a car salesman is and like what their values are and Blake's like positive philosophy and his life affirmation and progression. And to hear him say that he actually found a car dealership where he felt comfortable working and that aligned with his, you know, philosophy and values, like that was just surprising and shocking. I don't know. I also just love to hear about his kind of closing like thoughts and personal values. They're just so aligned with kind of what we've been talking about on the Nerd Journey podcast you know, for so long. How about that accountability and shame section when it comes to trying not to fall off the wagon with your fitness? Oh, yeah. You know, this this non-judgmental, or at least let's not dwell on it, acknowledge mm-hmm. that it happened, let's fix it or change it in some way so that it doesn't happen anymore and move on. Yeah. there. I want to say the uh, site reliability engineers have like a, a term for that. What is it? Like a blame-free... Uh... Blameless postmortem? I, I was going to say ticket closure, but I know that's not right. Blameless postmortem, yeah. And and that, I think, you know, analysis of like, hey, this is why it failed. Let's figure out how to fix that and then just move on. Like just so many parallels, you know, for somebody who like is not in a tech career, there's so many things that we talked to Blake about over these past two episodes that I felt like were like direct, direct parallels to a tech career. Even, even just the... Uh, of fitness objection handling, which you mentioned, like we're in uh, technical sales. So a lot of sales is, is about objection handling and that's sales and like the formal sales process of one company to another, but also the internal process of selling like a project, right? Well, Hey, you know, I know my manager isn't necessarily going to be wild about me doing this and he's probably going to object in this way and this way and this way. And I'd better be, you know, prepared to uh, to manage those objections. So um, lots and lots of parallels to our world. My favorite objection is the I don't have time to do fitness things. But he, he handled that really well. If you only have a little bit of time, you can still do a little bit of fitness and use that time and not waste it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, John, the next time you have 10 minutes, just do 100 push-ups. You'll be fine. Oh, that's... I don't know if I can cut it down to 100, but okay. Oh, right. Maybe that's too slow for you. We'll say, what, 1,000? Is that is that a good well, guess? I would say, yeah. You know, I, I suppose, like, I shouldn't poo-poo doing 100 push-ups in, in 10 minutes. Like, I, you know, a slow push-up is also, you know, sometimes harder than a fast push-up. So, okay. Yeah. There you go. Point. Resistance training. Think about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Nick, I think. That's all we had for that episode, unless anything else uh, popped into your head. No, sir. Just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman. For Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. 
Stay fit, everybody. Adios.